Hey, we talked about Game Toppers earlier, 3.0 Kickstarter. It's going on right now at the release of this episode. It is funded. You ain't got to worry about, oh, if I put money towards it, will I get it? Yes, you will get it because it is easily funded. People are going out there getting these new versions of the toppers. They're getting game mats. Now the toppers can have legs attached to them. There's a bunch of different sizes of tables. There's a bunch of different sizes of mats, all for really good prices on the Kickstarter right now. He makes high quality products. Tony has one. He loves his, right? Oh, absolutely love mine. Rolling that thing out, rolling out the mat. People come in and go, what is that? And But what I'm really going to enjoy is getting those legs. She's got legs. Sorry. I always it's, pause. It's kind of a thing now. I know <laughs> it's a thing, and I know you're going to do it. So, yes, the legs, just like you'll hear me talk about in an upcoming portion about if I had legs, I could take this to a store that may want to do a board game night. I could just quickly throw this thing out if they don't have, if they're not able to support it. That's awesome. So to make, make sure to check out the Kickstarter going on right now. We have a link in our show notes. So check it out. Back it. You won't regret it. Hey, y'all. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this thirst-quenching episode, the guys review the meaty flipping right Hadrian's Wall, the chill worker placement game Cryo, Marty and I go head-to-head in the game face-to-face, the guys do some quick hits of recently played games, and they have not one but two zero-sugar soft drink taste tests. Hello and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 228, Rocket Man. I am Tony, and would you stop flashing your fingers at me? It's multiple fingers. It's not one, uh, like it usually is. I knew, I, I knew there was no way you could pass on not using Rocket Man for the title of this episode. Well, I looked at various song titles for this because some of the songs, we're, t- we're going to talk about Rocket Man from Martin Wallace on this show. We're going to talk about a new game called uh, Cryo. And I was looking along those lines and then Hadrian's Wall. So I had another Brick in the Wall, Rocket Man. Oh, Brick in the Wall. That's a good one too. And then I was looking at what songs about ice or freezing and things like that because cold going, as ice. Yeah, Farner, that was on the list because that's about, about going into space. Rocket Men was going into space. Cryo was about being in space, being frozen in space. Hadrian's Wall has nothing to do with space. It has nothing to do with space. It has just being in your own space when you're playing, which we'll discuss. But I will say one thing. What's the one thing? Just finished up with a little long work here. Just finished mowing the yard, getting everything trimmed, edged up. And I'm glad you were taking time to um, record on this Sunday afternoon. I appreciate that. That's right. In fact, when we're done, I'm going to crank up my brand new battery power leaf blower to get rid of all those oak pollen pods that are all over our deck and driveway. Do you have a lot of oak trees around your area that drops those nasty pollen pods? Uh, no, uh, that the, the house moved in three years ago. They're still getting the new trees and things like that. So we don't have that. We do have the lot, a lot of the whirly birds that come flying down. What seed is that? What tree is that from? I'm glad you said that. Vanessa and I were sitting on the deck a couple of weeks ago and she said, oh, the cherry blossoms are out. And I said, we have one small cherry tree. There's no way the rain of these helicopter things coming down is from that one tree. And then I, we couldn't figure out what tree has, has the 
little, is it, is it way to deliver pollen? It's basically these little, I don't know how to explain it. It's all these little whirly birds, like you said, when they float and then they mm-hmm. spin so they can carry great distances once they drop from a tree. And it's actually a maple tree. It is? Yeah, it's a maple tree. It's the seed pod from a maple tree. I didn't realize we had that many maple trees around, I guess. Right. So as the maple tree begins to bloom, flower, it produces the seed pods, just like every tree. And then when the leaves pop out, they release the seed pods and they go spinning down. It's so cool. Yeah, it uh, it rained all over the place. So anyway, because of all that, it's like, all right. I remember a, a previous episode talked about how the, uh, the gas-powered leaf blower went away. So I said, I'm going to get a battery-powered one. So I got one. I opened it up. I was excited about it. It's like, man, this, this thing seems a little small. So I went out there and it was like, I was like, what the heck is going on? So I went to go and blow some um, pine straw. And it was like, this ain't moving anything. And it was like, I don't get it. So I, I went and looked and it was like I had 150 mile an hour air that's supposed to come out of it. And I went, okay, well, what's the CFM? And the CFM, which is cubic feet per minute, which is amount of air that comes out, was only like 150. And I went, oh, I guess that's not high enough. And I told Vanessa, I said, this ain't going to move squat. And she said, well, then we can't keep it. Send it back. So luckily, Amazon has a nice return policy where you can go and say, look, this this didn't work. And they you know, fine, here's your return. Would you like to exchange it for something else? Yes. I now want to get this other one, which is kind of an upgrade, which still has 150 mile an hour uh, air coming out of it, but it's 350 cubic feet per minute. And I said, that should move some stuff. So it's an 80 volt battery on this bad boy. Mm -hmm. It is a big bad boy. And so I got it. It was like, it will move everything. I'm like, okay, now we're playing with power. So once we're done here, that's what I'm going to use to blow off all these oak tree pollen pods. But the key is, does your battery work with the weed eater? Because that is probably one of the things. It does not. Because the weed eater is only 40 volt. And the reason why I paired those two original ones mm-hmm. together so they can swap batteries is like, all right, I'm not going to upgrade the weed eater to an 80 volt because I don't need no 80 volt. It, I don't use it that long. I can knock out the trimming and the amount of time that battery would run dead. But a big old honking battery on the leaf blower is going to go go a long way. So I had to upgrade. I needed more power. I got it. Good for you. I'm glad that you were able to get that rectified because I know that you were, it's in the show notes. I'm like, uh-oh, somebody's not happy with his leaf blower. Nope, nope. I, I was not. So I'm excited to use that for the first time when we get off here. But before we get started, Tony, uh, we got a lot of games that we're going to hit uh, real quick. But before we have two taste tests in this episode. Now, typically in the past, we do soft drink taste tests. And they're, they're usually diet because we're trying to cut out the sugar. And Vanessa brought two brand new zero sugar drinks that she found. And we're going to try one at the beginning of the show and enjoy it through the show and then one in the outro. So here we go. Uh, The first one is Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Now, I don't know about uh, you, Tony, but over many, many years ago, multiple decades ago, probably when I was trying to kick sugar drinks, I heard this like try diet Dr. Pepper. It's the closest to the original and it doesn't have that bad of an aftertaste. And it was true. It did not. But over the years, I kind of stopped drinking it because I found better ones. So I am really anxious to try the zero sugar to see if it tastes better than the diet Dr. Pepper. So, sir, 
Are you even a Dr. Pepper fan? I am not. I've never ah. I've never been a Dr. Pepper fan. I mean, I can tolerate it. It's just not one of those things. And then also, didn't Dr. Pepper during the um, pandemic last year, they had a shortage, a large shortage. And a lot of it was due to aluminum shortages and things like that. So it's good that there, things are catching up from that standpoint. Good timing is there's a website, website, a YouTube channel called Company Man. Uh, which talks about the rise and fall of companies. And just this past week before we recorded, he did a feature on Dr. Pepper and it's Dr. Pepper Keurig. So this company has a lot of coffee, the Keurig uh, Mm -hmm. coffee drinks and a lot of soft drinks. And it's really interesting to hear how this company is basically going up against Pepsi and Coke, still mighty small compared to those two, but a very successful company. So that's on the YouTube channel company, man. If you want to see the history of Dr. Pepper. All right, so let's see. That was the other reason why I came in off the lawn mowing. I'm parched. Can we try this? Let's do it. Here we go. Let's pop this bad boy. Oh, you already had yours open. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, it's good. I hadn't had a Dr. Pepper in forever, so I was kind of curious. I don't even remember the taste. It's been so long. So, you know, Dr. Pepper usually has a very strong, it hits hard like the back of the throat. Mm-hmm. I don't think this does as the much fizz? as the original. I, I mm. see. I can't. I have no no comparison. I was just curious if I was going to like it. I'm, you know, I'm excited with zero sugar. It's better than Diet Dr Pepper. Hundred okay. percent. It's better than Diet Dr Pepper. Um, it's good. I don't know if it's one of those things I ever crave Dr Pepper that often, but it is nice knowing that it is an option in the zero sugar. I don't know what the magic of zero sugar. Everybody has a zero sugar everything now. I don't know what the magic ingredient is for the sweetener, but whatever it is, it's pretty stinking good in every one that I've ever tried. And we have one we're going to try at the end of the show too. A new, a new Mountain Dew one, of course, because there are a thousand Mountain Dew flavors. Well, I know I was going to bring you a new Mountain Dew flavor that I found, but it was not zero sugar. And you were like, I'm sorry, man, can't, can't do it. I was like, okay, fine. Then I'll just drink them all myself. But it's the USA Mountain Dew, 170 mm. calories. And it's, the, it, oh, and it is the combination of red mountain dew code red mm-hmm. volt and um another one that we will be trying um so it was it's very even donna didn't mind it i was like get out of town and she's not a mountain dew fan so mm-hmm. i may still bring that to you and force feed it to you i don't know i mean I'll, I'll try it it's just it's the sugar drinks are just so sweet to me now i just i just can't do it i literally put no sugar in any drinks anymore only thing i'll do is like a half sweet half unsweet tea if like I go to a place and it's like, I, I just need some decent tea, just give me half and half. And even half and half is good enough for me. I mean, I guess I can handle it. So, I, I mean, I'm drinking 170. I drank Pepsi Mango full tilt bozo. But I tell you, it's a one, <laughs> one enough it works for me. So I'm, I'm on the way to the grocery store and I stopped by the local comic book shop. In the show notes, it says the price of friendship. You are costing me money, sir. Am I? Yes. Is it my is it my fault that you're buying books? Yes, because I would have never stopped in there if it wasn't for you. And by the way, I could not pick up the original comic of Dark Hawk. I'll go back later this week and get it for you because the the sky opened up. It was raining so hard, and I said, mm. I don't think Marty's going to want it to be soaked. Don't they have bags? As hard as it was coming down, I don't think it would have mattered. And I appreciate you picking up the variant of Dark Hawk for me. At least I have that. If I don't get the original, that's cool. But I want to read one. I didn't even open the one you gave me because I don't want to read it yet because mm. I don't want to open it. So if you get me the the regular, I'll read it. 
Yeah, and th- so then I'm talking to the guy who owns the comic shop, Doc. I, mean, I think he's an actual doctor. But he was sitting there, and we were talking about the various comics. And I was like, well, I need one of you to start pulling me once, one a month. Just give me one. And I'll be happy to support the local shop, man. I, see, I enjoy coming in here. But I remember going into the old comic book store near our apartment and how they would have racks and racks and racks of comics, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. He doesn't have that. He says he doesn't really need to do that. He just buys what people are interested in. They come in and tell him, hey, we're interested in these. And that's all he will purchase, which I think is brilliant. It is brilliant. But what about those that just come into the shop? And it just kind of want to browse and maybe something will catch their eye without having to talk to somebody. Well, that would be like me, but I'm going to talk to someone, but he's got everything just right there. He's got the big ones, the Superman people that, the ones that people know, but he did tell me that Spawn was coming out. So I got on that list, a new Spawn. I said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Spawn was a comic Mm. that you and I um, got back in. What was that? Nineties, early nineties. Early 90s, and both you and I have Spawn number one, which is actually a decent price, and we probably should get both of ours graded. Mm -hmm. Well, he was telling me McFarlane is not even raising his comics. His comics are still going to be $2.99. I think that guy has done a lot for the industry. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm just excited because it's going to be Spawn, uh, some type of Spawn universe, and then they'll have a bunch of stuff that spans off of that. I was like, really? But my favorite thing was that... The fact that the one store where I picked up your original Darkhawk charged me additional dollar for your variant cover. And you weren't happy about that, were you, sir? I had let it go. You Did you? Backstory. Uh, so I was looking for this. There's a comic book store near Tony's work. He went in there and got it. The cover price on the book is $4.99. It was a variant. The guy charges an extra dollar for a variant for zero reason. This was a brand new book. It's still worth four ninety nine because I checked on eBay. It's like, has the price of this gone up? It is not. I can buy it all day long for five bucks anywhere along across the country. But this guy decides, nope, I'm going to charge an extra buck. Oh, and also the ten cent bag and the fifteen cent board that I bag and board it with. I'm going to charge you an extra. What was it? A dollar fifty. A dollar flipping fifty. For him to slide a book into a bag. And then, didn't you say it's not even an option not to have it uh, bagged and boarded? Nope. No options. So you're going to walk out of there paying eight bucks for a book that should be $5 plus another 50 cents to a buck for the bag and board. I was livid. (laughs) If you had told me that, I would say, put the book down, turn around and walk out the door and tell him to kiss your butt on the way out. I had no clue. I was like, oh, well, maybe that's how variants are. Because when I was at Doc's, I saw some of the Berserker comic that I was able to pick up for you. Mm -hmm. Those were already up around $20 on the variants. (gasps) I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And so we were talking some more and I will move quickly over to the games. But he was telling me about, and I hadn't realized this that a lot of the comics in there, he was like, yeah, they're going to be like short runs. Like he said, here's a Spider-Man that's going to be four or six chapters. I can't remember what he said, but he was like, it's only going to be four or six books, but it's about what if Peter Parker had not given up the um, black costume and what would have happened? How would he have transformed into Venom? Oh, that's cool. But it's not a what if story? Yeah, it is. It's a what if story. Oh, it okay. it's, a, it's a what if story. And I, I was like, okay, that's nice. He only had like the first one and the second one there. And I'm like, that's okay, but I don't want to spend the money to, you know, just read six. 
If I'm going to do yeah. this, I, would, I just want one more comic. So that's why I went back to Amazing. That's very cool. Uh, you have to let me know how that goes. So I've kind of gotten to the point to where I can wait for the graphic novel to come out. So for example, for Berserker, I know in the fall that a book for 15 to 20 bucks is going to have the first six issues of Berserker. So I'm just going to wait for that, buy that to read it instead of buying each individual issue. Uh, it makes sense to me. Yeah. So that's, that's the way I do them now. A lot of the bigger books will come out in graphic novels like that, where they put six to 10 issues together in one book and basically it'll charge 15 to $25. So it's way cheaper. I, of course, they're not going to have much value, right? I'm not in it for the value at that point. I bought Berserker one for the value, not going to open it. Then I'm going to read the story using the graphic novel. Okay. So you're not going to open it. Well, it's a good thing I flipped through it, creased some corners. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. No, I'm happy to do that. So does this store also have uh, games, magic, or any board games or anything like that? He does not do board games. He does have magic. He sells magic and Pokemon at face value because that's where he is. But you didn't have any Pokemon, did he? Uh, no, he sells it out immediately. And but But he sells it to his regulars. Good for him. I like this guy. He's amazing. I, uh, I love this guy. And you know what? If I find a book that I want, I'll put it on the pull list, your pull list, and I'll just pay you for it. And I'll, I'll pick up stuff from him. No, he, he hosts birthday parties there for he in the back. He has, <laughs> he does he, in nice. the back. He has a whole bunch of uh, video consoles where the kids can come in and oh, play cool. PlayStation 4 or Xbox S or one, whatever the new, I don't know. But he's got it all set up. And because when I was in there getting these comics, the, a lady came in with her young son and they were going to have a video game event there. And he has it all set up for them. They don't have to worry about the various titles or the controllers and and. For the for the mom, she brought a nothing bunt cake with her. I thought of Vanessa when that walked in, a full nothing bunt cake, one of her favorites. And I was like, mm -hmm. man, he's got it going on. And I have talked to him about hosting game night and maybe not this year, but another following year. And he said he would be interested in that. And I said, okay, well, we'll think about that. He says, but it's he doesn't have the space. But I'm like, well, maybe we can just like say at this period, but he's open short hours. So real nice guy. I'm really excited about that. Awesome. And uh, speaking of game nights, you and I get to play uh, a lot of games in between the the ones that we're playing, whether it be with our families, uh, with each other. Sometimes we, you and I also play like fellow games that we don't talk at length on the show, uh, which is why we're going to do some uh, some of the games we've played over the past couple of weeks. Let's do some quick hits. A few weeks ago, you and I got to play the new expansion to Fantasy Realms, which is called Cursed Hordes. Now, had you, had you played Fantasy Realms before we uh, played the with the expansion? No, never have. Tony will say, hey, these rules are easy, guys. I mean, come on. We're getting ready to play this. This What was the game? Uh, uh, Excavation Earth. Excavation Earth. Easy rules. And it like blew my mind. L literally, if he said easy rules for this one, he's being honest. Yeah. Pick up a card, you play a card. <laughs> it is honestly that's that simple. And the whole goal is to have seven cards in your hand at the end of the game that you can combine together to get the most points possible. And a lot of the cards work with others. It's like, hey, uh, for every this beast you have, you get plus five points. So then obviously 
Uh, if you pick up a card, it happens to be a beast, you're going to keep that one and discard something else. So that's how Fantasy Realms works. When you discard a card, it's out there for everybody to choose from. So a person can either pick up from a previously discarded pile or pick one fresh up off the deck. And then in the base game, once 10 cards are lying on the table in the discard pile, that triggers the end of the game, count up your points, game over. Literally, it's that simple. But the fun is trying to put cards together that generate the most points possible. This game's going to have to grow on me. I want to play it again and keep playing it from the standpoint because I, I like simple games because simple minds, simple games. I didn't get it at first. Okay. I'll be honest. People love this game. Like you said, Yeah, it was not clicking with me. And then after we played it a couple of times, I'm like, okay, I see how it is. But my first round, I was like, okay, nothing is going together. Nothing is making <laughs> sense. I am drawing crappy cards. I don't know what's going to happen here. I know I'm not going to be able to, you know, oh, this will cancel this or this will cancel that. Or, oh, if you put all these together, you're going to get these X number of points. Fine. But nothing was working. And I was like, well, this stinks. Then the second game we played, it was like, okay, everything came together. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, okay, I can see this. I can see this. And, but that's what this game is, right? I mean, you sit down with friends and you just play as you talk. It, you know, you don't spend a lot of time thinking about what you're going to do because when it gets back to you, the cards that are available to you are going to be totally different. And then you kind of think about, well, now I can pair these couple cards together. And like you said, some cards will be like, uh-oh, if I keep this card with this card, it's going to generate negative points for me. So I want to get rid of it. So Fantasy Round has been around for years, very popular. They're coming out with an expansion in May called Cursed Horde, which adds new cards to the base deck, plus a brand new set of cards called Cursed Cards. So everybody is dealt a Cursed Card, and at any time on your turn, you can use this card, and it's usually used to affect somebody else, mess somebody else up, etc. You can choose to get rid of a Cursed Card draw on you, and maybe you don't want it. But if you use the card, then you have to flip it down, and at the end of the game, you have to add it into your scoring and typically cursed cards or negative points. So while you can potentially mess somebody else up, be forewarned that you may be taking some negative points at the end of the game because you use that card. This new mechanic adds a little bit of take that, even more player interaction, which I think people are going to dig. I want to play this again. Bring it to the game night. This is, I want to see how it is with two player. Okay. Okay. I mean, small, small box. So you, you throw it in your pocket, literally, and you can carry it around with you. So that is uh, Fantasy Realms and Cursed Horde out now. So if, if you liked Fantasy Realms, you got to check this out. The Cursed cards add this whole new mechanic that just changes the game and really does a lot of take that. So I'm going on vacation soon. And one of the games, well, okay, so more backstory. So Marty and I were contacted and said, hey, would you like to possibly look at the new expansion for Bonanza. Exactly. People are like, what was that? That was the MeTV Bonanza theme, by the way. If you go to MeTV. The MeTV, it's just Bonanza theme. It doesn't But everybody can see it on MeTV. Put up the rabbit ears, get your MeTV, and you'll get be able to see it. Oh, now see, now you're going to make me squirrel. Squirrel! So the other night, I was looking for MeTV because on Perry Mason was this young actor. Right. His name was, and I want to see it, but I couldn't find it on regular uh, network TV, 
because MeTV wasn't on there, but it was Burt Reynolds. I'm like, Burt Reynolds? Get out of town. So everybody, Smokey and the Bandit, go look at Anyway, so Bonanza by Mr. Rosenberg came out in 1997. And I didn't realize Rosenberg did that game. Yes. No clue. I did not know that. And they said, would you like to do the expansion? And Marty and I wrote back and said, we would love to, but there's a problem with this. We don't have the base. I'm like, you know what? I do have Bonanza Duel, but I really need regular Bonanza because I'm going away on vacation with my mom, who's 80 years old, or will be 80 years old, my aunt and uncle who are also up there in their late 70s. And I'm like, this game would probably work for them. The bean game. Why not? You know, it's, it's simply a game of trading and politics. That's all it is. And I was like, okay, so I played it with them recently. I went up to see my mom and they were there. And I, so I said, okay, I want to see if you guys, if it's worth me bringing to the beach. So wait a minute. You said you didn't have a copy. Where'd you get a copy from? From Miniature Market. That's miniaturemarket.com where you can get all <laughs> things board gaming related. Be sure to check out miniaturemarket.com where matter of fact, you can pick it up for $14.49 only at miniaturemarket.com. Amazon.com has it for $17.26. You're saving money by going to miniaturemarket.com. Also, if you want to, you can pick up their new card holders wow. that can carry your Bonanza game with you. Now, you can take that snippet and we'll put that back in for the commercial. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I put it out there and I was telling them the rules and I did mess up one rule. Imagine that. When you're trying, you know how you're trying to learn a game real quick and, and get it on the table? No, I have, I have no clue what that's like. Longest road thing. And I was just like, yeah. hey, Bonanza. Uh, so you're going to do this. You're going to do th that, play a card. Um, and then there's going to be a oh, time God, when you're going to do that again. Oh, it's simple. Just play a card. You're going to play a part. You're going to plant a bean, plant a bean. You can plant another bean. That's all the beans you can plant. Flip over two cards. Those beans you got to plant or you can trade them away. And that's where the trading and the politics get into. So I think oh. of it as a more easy game, more less stressful game than pit, which my wife loves. And, I, I said, do y'all understand what we're doing here? At first, they didn't get it. Then a little bit later, they started getting it. They, they thought it was a very cute game, and they would enjoy playing it again. But I can tell this is one of those games where the trading and politics are not going to be part of this. Because my aunt was like, sure, I'll give you that. Well, what do you want for it? Oh, I nothing. No, aunt, no, and Evelyn, that's not how. You need to, you need to, you're, you're trying to get the most gold. Yeah, but I want you to be, no, we're not being nice here. We got to play the game. Play the game to win. I don't know if I can do that. I said, you can do it when you play games like hand and foot, those kind of games. Yeah. Or five crowns. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, so you got to take it up a notch, but it was fun. So I'm glad we got it. Finally got a copy. Is it mean? It can be because if you two cards flip over and you can't use them because it will ruin your field, you still yeah. have to plant them and you would have to harvest your field. And if you don't have enough beans, then you don't get any gold. Gotcha. Okay. And, and so everybody around the table can look at it and see that that's going to do you no good and it's going to screw up your fields. Therefore, everybody can say, well, I don't need it. You have to take them. Gotcha. So that's the mean part where everybody can team up on one another. Every once in a while, we'll get like a, like a game out of the blue that I didn't know about. And one game that's been sent out by Mondo Games is a game called Gentle Rain. Gentle Rain. Gentle Rain. Oh, no, it's Purple Rain. Never mind. Good, though. Nice. I like what you did there. So, again, look at this. This is a little small box solo game. Mm -hmm. See how tiny the box is? It's probably about, uh, I don't know, a two by two on the square and about four inches long. And the box just comes with a bunch of tiles and... Eight little flower pieces, little round tokens. 
And the goal is like, this is just supposed to be a simple solo game that you just play, just kind of take your mind off things. The rules say like, put on soft music and stuff. So you shuffle these tiles and each one of these tiles uh, on the edge has half of a flower. And what your goal is, is to draw a tile and then put it down to an existing tile so that the sides match and create that full flower. So you create a full orange one, a black one, purple one, etc. The goal of the game is to get tiles on all four sides of a tile. At that point, you're going to take one of those tokens that I talked about. There's one for each color, a flower. And you're going to pick one of the flowers that was completed in that tile and put it on top of this one. There's only one of each. So like once you use a yellow, then obviously you can't use that one again. The goal is to continue to put tiles out on the board until you can place all your eight flower tokens on a tile and then you win the game and then your score is based on how many tiles you have left the more tiles you have left the quicker you got rid of your tokens the better that you did if you run out of tiles and still have little flower tokens left you lose now this was supposed to be a simple you know ah, oh, kind of like no brainer just kind of piddling and stuff no there's a lot of thought in this because as you play even though it's a very small box, the tiles can take up a lot of room on the table and you're trying to look around to find the best place to place the tile and hopefully try to find one where you can complete tiles around an existing tile in order to place one of your petals. And then you look at the four flowers, it's like, oh, great. If I encompass this one, I've already placed all those four particular flowers on other tiles. So it'd do me no good to put it right there. So then you continue looking. So. It is a sweet, cute little solo game. And it's one of those that if you have an office or desk or something, just you can leave it on your desk because it's so small. Now, you do need room to put out the tiles. So you have to move your keyboard out of the way because it can be a little bit of a table hog. But this was kind of kind of out of nowhere from Mondo Games. So if you're looking for a fun, light, 15-minute solo game, Gentle Rain by Mondo. Only other thing I got to the table, Marty, uh, without you, was Don and I did play some um, Seven Wonders Duel again. I need to get the expansion out for that. And we did play Carcassonne. And it was one of those where tiles were being pulled. And I was the one getting all the lucky tiles. Slowly, but surely, I'll bring her into the expansions. I'm trying. But I, I will eventually get there. But something that we played for the title of the show, Rocket Men, a Martin mm -hmm. Wallace game from Phalanx. Phalanx. P-H-A-L-A-N-X. It's a deck builder. It is. And it's a Martin Wallace game that we were super excited to play. So mm -hmm. we couldn't say to, wait to see his take on a deck building game. And it starts out like any typical deck building game, right? Everybody has the same set of cards. And the goal of the game, build a rocket in order to launch it to either to Earth, to the moon, or to the Mars. To, to the Mars. Wow. To Mars, which is the furthest away. And as you get to each of these locations... It's going to give you some victory points. Obviously, the whole goal, earn victory points, and the game is triggered typically when somebody reaches a certain victory point level based on the number of players, or they get all their tokens out on the board. There you go. And of course, there are some other, there, there's hidden objectives mm -hmm. that'll score you some victory points. From a deck builder perspective, one of the unique things about this is you have on your board, you have the left side, right side, where one, where you are building for a mission. You're going to take a mission and it's going to either take you to the earth, to the moon or to the Mars. 
and you're trying to build the rocket. You're, you're being Mr. Musk. It's now your turn to do that, and you're trying to put forth <laughs> SpaceX. And you're trying to get that to happen. But on the right side, it's like your typical debt builder. You're either mm. going to play to the left or to the right. So to the right, it gives you the ability to earn credits or do actions on cards that will then let you buy from the pool. Cards that will let you have, oh, by the way, if you do this, if you use this card, then you get a bonus of discarding a bad card. Or you discard this card, you can now pick up one for free. It's just your typical deck builder action type cards. That's all there is. But to me, Marty, about this game, the unique part of this was part of the deck culling in any deck builder was building the mission. And how well you do on the mission is dependent on if you have a certain component that will help you reach the area where you're going. But before you can even go on that mission, you've got to have X amount of rockets. So that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to reach a certain mission level and then you are ready for liftoff. I've got the number of rockets I need. I've got the technology that kind of helps me get there. And then we're going to get to your favorite part of the game, he says sarcastically. Uh, push your luck. Mm -hmm. So like you said, Tony, you are got a mission. You try to get as many components as you can to help you on this mission. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to the moon. I need X number of rockets to get to the moon. I am ready to go. So on your turn, it's like after you do all your deck playing, you know, you play cards, they have resources on them. You buy new cards, add your deck, your cetera. At the end, it's like, gentlemen, I'm going to attempt this mission. Do you meet the requirements to go? Yes, I do. So let's go ahead and go. So all these components have added to the left side of the board. Each one of the places, Earth, the Moon, Mars, has a certain icon that says, all right, when you're going here, let's say it's to the Moon, count up the number of icons that are required to get there or can help you get there. And your ship, there's actually a little token that starts on track zero of a little path. And if I'm going to the Moon, I count the number of icons I need for to give me a little extra boost, and I start my ship that many spaces closer to the moon then there is a shuffled deck of cards in the middle of the table that has numbers ranging from zero to four and depending on which location you go to you're going to flip over an x number of cards it says you need to get here within this number of cards to succeed but at any time along the way you can go nope i don't think i'm going to make it i'm out and it's like, okay, what you do is for every card that you've drawn so far, you're going to subtract one from that and you have to discard a component from your left side of the board. You tried, you, you decided to abort the mission. Well, it's going to cost you a little bit for trying, but you don't lose everything. So, okay, I thought this is easy. I'm launching. Let's jump a couple spaces. Let's start flipping over cards. Now, there are 22 cards in this deck, Tony. Again, ranging from zero to four. There are only... Two zeros. Let me say that again. There are only two zeros in this deck. And you're only flipping over just three to five cards, something like that, depending on where you're going. Three times in a row. Not one, not two, not three. Well, no, three. <laughs> go direct, skip three, go to directly to four. Thou shalt not count to three. I started going and it's like, okay, gets me one step. This gets me two steps. And I'm sitting there, oh man, I'm... I'm within just one away. I'm one away. Yes, I'm going to push my luck and flip that next card. Zero. And if you fail, what happens? If you fail the mission, what happens? All the cards are gone. Yep. So I could have aborted 
taking a little bit of a hit, but if you fail, but guess what? They all go back and do your deck. You get to rebuild that whole thing again. Three times in a row, the last card or next to last card, I flip a zero. Meanwhile, Bert and Tony, they're flying all over space. They're like, oh, the moon, Mars, awesome. Look, I'm gonna get here. And because of the mission that I used, I get to get to Mars. And because of this particular mission, I get to enhance my board, which gives me a boost on rockets, or it gives me a boost on some money that I can spend on my turn. It's basically these little advancements, these technical advancements that help you. And I'm sitting there still trying to get to the Earth, which is the first location, while you guys are flying off the moon and Mars. Push your luck games, destroy me every single time. You're on Earth. You're just trying to freaking get in orbit. That's all you're trying to do, and you can't even get in orbit. <laughs> well, I, we couldn't figure that out. The first location is to get to Earth. I guess we're not starting on Earth? I, I don't understand. No, no, you're starting on Earth. You're just trying to... Think of it like the space race. The first thing we have oh, to do... Okay, I see what you're saying. You got to orbit, then you got to make it to the moon, and then after the moon, then comes Mars, And but we're, we've always sent satellites out into to Uranus. And y'all were just laughing. It's like, okay, I'm going to do it. it zero is like... Bah! <laughs> I'm not really sure what the strategy is. Mm. You know, I was like, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what do I, I'm just, I know that my special objective card says I have to be the first to get to the moon. And with this token, with this, like getting a satellite around the moon, I have to be first there or my objective card is useless to me. Ah, so what you mean is uh, there is, these are the tokens that you get deployed out mm -hmm. onto the board and a mission will tell you, here's the type of mission that you're trying to achieve. And you're talking about the particular one yours was, was a satellite token that need to get placed on the board. And it has to be, I have to be the first in the space race. I have to be the first to put the satellite around the moon. Yeah. And you actually, if you're the first one to put a token, you usually get extra victory points. If you're mm -hmm. the first one to put that particular poken, token at a location. So I don't want to lose that objective. I need that mm -hmm. objective. So I'm going to go for that first. That was a big mistake. I should not have done that because I should have been building up my player board to help me get to the next one. And then on your side of the board, you're sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, all you guys have gone where I needed to go. Yep. That is one thing I found. In this game, you have to be successful to be able to enhance your board so that you don't have to worry about getting certain rockets because without the rockets, you can't lift off. And there's, there's only a set number of additional rocket cards that anybody can buy from, but you can only buy once per turn. Mm. And then also I was amazed at the cost of some of these cards. I'm like, good gosh, I'm not coming anywhere near that on the number of cards I was drawing. So I need to enhance, I need to get a benefactor of the additional money. So that, which token do I need to enhance my board with? A lot of hard decisions here, but because I chose poorly at the beginning that I was trying to build up to get to the moon so I could be first, my space race got way behind. I was way behind. Bert was just firing off these things, which he was smart. He picked up on that real quick. And kudos to him for playing the game correctly. I did yeah. not. I played it very poorly. Yeah, I think that if people want to try this game out, and look, if you like clever deck building games, this is very clever. I, I like the way that part of the calling mechanism is actually selecting a certain mission and rockets and trying to achieve them. Because once you do, those cards are, are, are gone. 
and then again, it's kind of way to to strengthen strengthen your deck because maybe in your deck is now nothing but like really good resource cards for buying the the, the best thing. So if you like the sound of that, that is really cool. But here's a tip: do not attempt missions too early in the game. Uh, I think you need to collect the right components to try to get you that advancement for whatever location you want to go to. Because like I said, first thing you're going to do is look at all the cards on the left-hand side when you decide to use a mission. Depending on which ones you use, you get like a little bit of a head start before you start doing the push-your-luck part of the game. And that's where I think I failed, is that I tried to start a mission too soon. But if you don't, then you're not going to be able to enhance your board because you have to pay for every card you place and some cards pay for themselves. Other times you have to discard cards to be able to pay to enhance your mission. I pay 10 to be able to add this computer component to my rocket. There's some risk in there. So there's your risk reward. So yeah, it's the, the push your luck is going to get you. If, if you don't take the necessary precautions at the beginning of the mission of being added to it, and I don't know if I can then later call out those computer cards because I don't need the computer cards anymore. They're not going to help me get to the moon or to Mars. I don't need those, but hopefully they're dual purpose enough where I can use their calls to help me pay for. And now I've built my deck up. This game, it was frustrating to me, but I did enjoy the deck building mechanisms of it. I love the, the action board. I love either mm -hmm. side. So I, from my standpoint, now that I've thought about it, I'd like to tr give it another shot and see if, okay, I'm going to try this strategy mm -hmm. or I'm going to do this. But that concerns me also is that anytime I'm like, this strategy is the only strategy I need, then does that become prescriptive? I don't know. I, I'm, I've been reading the BGG comments. You know, the comments really don't say that. First impressions, I need to, keep trying this to see if it'll grow me. Cause I love deck builders. Absolutely do. And I know that the, that this play was pathetic on my part, not on the game on me. Yeah. And you typically like space themed games. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, and you like, and we like Martin Wallace. We oh, both God, like yeah. Martin Wallace games. So that's why we're excited uh, to try it out and, and do a quick hit on it. Cause it's like, okay, that's kind of our first impressions. Uh, now let's, let's really dig into it. Like you have to do with most Martin Wallace games and uh, just see, you know, what we can, how we can get better, like in his other games, like Brass, et cetera. Exactly. Wildlands. I mean, you know, Wildlands has expansions coming out. So, so I'm, I'm excited to try it again, but that is Rocketman from Phalanx, Phalanx Games. Hey, did you see that this is the 10th anniversary of Lord of the Rings uh, CCG this year? FFG did like a Facebook live event on Thursday and people were excited. <gasps> Does this mean second edition's coming? No, it wasn't. It was just basically the old developers getting together and talking about the history of the game. But, you know, that was the first cooperative LCG card game that we ever played. And it has great memories for me. I don't know that I'll ever revisit it again. I would be curious to see if they ever do a second edition. I don't know with the success of Arkham Horror and Marvel that they need to right now because those are so hot. I think it's just really cool. I can't believe it's been 10 years since that game came out. I can't either. I still have a box of them. I've only played a few of the missions. I, I would love to revisit it, especially single player. You know, you said I like space. Lord of the Rings is one of the games I always enjoy playing. So, but it is one that has been sitting underneath the old bed in a box, just sitting there. And by the way, I, I've got all the saga expansions unopened. It's on my bucket list. So at some point in time, sit 
and play through the entire Lord of the Rings saga expansion. Probably for me, I need to see which ones I'm missing and pick those up. I need to pick up all the sagas before you cannot get them. They're getting tough. I'm short one or two, and the last time I checked, it was on Amazon. That's a bunch of quick hits. Tony and I have gotten to the table uh, recently. Just want to give a big thank you to everyone who voted for Rolling Dice and Taking Names on the BGG uh, Golden Geek Awards. Unfortunately, we didn't, we didn't make it, but that's okay. What that tells me, Marty, is that we suck and nobody likes us. That's what it tells me. If you want to have a pity party, you, you can have a pity party all by yourself. I don't do pity parties and I don't go to them. I'm surprised I'm still married because I told my wife that once. I said, I don't do pity parties. You don't. It was funny. Uh, Tony is not about a pity person. He's like, yeah, whatever. And it's a great attitude. It's an amazing attitude. And it's the way everybody should look at things, especially with social media today where, you know, victim pays. And Tony's like, nope, no victim here. Life, let's move on, baby. Let's move on. I mean, come on. Life is good. Just treat everybody with kindness. And it's amazing how far it will go. With that in mind, though, what this tells me is we've rested on our laurels for the past six years. We need to take it up a notch. Absolutely. So 2022, so we can get back in that ranking. We need to accelerate. We need to make this happen. So we've got to figure it out. We've got to restructure. We need what all the buzzwords. We need to be agile. We need to pivot. Pivot? I don't know whatever all the business words are. We need to be ISO 9042 or whatever we're up to. We're going to get there, man. Next year, we're going to push it again. We're going to be pushing it. But thank you all for those who voted for us. If you were like, oh, those guys, they got their shoe in. Well, guess what? Nope, we didn't. We need to be there. But for all of our listeners, thank you for hanging with us. This is year nine. Year nine. Can you believe that? At the end of this year will be our ninth year. Exactly. So we're in eight point whatever we are. So <laughs> exactly. 8.5. 8.5. I know I was looking at my gallery on my um, on Google Photos and it was funny. There was a picture of um, City of Heroes character Sun Poison. And then nice. there, <laughs> I remember Sun Poison. And then there was the Rolling Dice and Taking Names logo. And the I original was, one. The huh? original. I was like, wow, that's old. That's old stuff. So anyway, Marty, we need to take it up a notch. And you know the way we take it up a notch? No, how? We suck up to our sponsors. <laughs> Tony, you just mentioned in the previous segment that Miniature Market now has card carrying cases that are branded with their own logo and everything. We got some of those to check out. And in fact, if you go and look at our YouTube channel, I've done a preview of each of the card carrying cases so that you can see them and, and some of their features and everything. These are amazing cases. There's three different ones. There's the long case, which holds 650 plus double sleeved cards. There's the square case that holds the same amount of cards. And then a small one, which holds 250 double, double sleeve cards. Now that means if you're just holding single sleeved or no sleeved at all, it will hold way more cards than that. But Tony, these are super nice products. And the unbelievable thing is the two bigger cases, only $11.99 each. And the small case is only $7.99. What a bargain. I, I don't know how the man does it. It is amazing. I, it, I mean, how they are able to put out that. I got the small case and I'm going to not use it. Well, I'll use it for some cards, but I'm really going to stack it full of stuff I need for board game night. I need 
readers because Marty's tired of me turning on the light on my phone so I can read cards and we'll talk about that and then I need pencils now and I need some dice and I'm sure I need something else in that Uh, there's a whole list over at our BGG Guild so there we go pocket knife pocket knife so we can get in those stupid cards absolutely and I was really excited for the everybody has those little dice trays that can fold up on the corners Mm -hmm. that one that they sent was I like the size of it it's not too small. Big, big yeah, size. It's big, and it's deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing I was really impressed about. And it, that's only like a buck ninety nine. It's dirt cheap. And it serves as a cool mouse pad. And uh, there's a big old dice bag. A new big dice bag, too, which is, you know, I'm playing Ashes at Work. Perfect for holding all the Ashes dice in. So it, to check those out, make sure to head over to their uh, website. We'll put a link to those in the description of this episode. And make sure to check out our YouTube channel, where I've done a preview of each of the products. That's it, miniaturemarket.com. One of my favorite games from last year was Raiders of Scythia, which is a worker placement game from Shim Phillips that had kind of Raiders of the North Sea type feel to it, but it has some tweaks to it, some new art and everything had a kind of a Roman feel. Going down that same path, we now have a game from Renegade Games called Hadrian's Wall. This game is designed by Bobby Hill, but it's developed by Shim Phillips. Tony, this is not a worker placement game. Uh, No, it's not a worker Mm. placement game. There are workers in it, but this is a flip and write, not a roll and write, because there's no dice involved, but this is a flip and write where you're going to flip cards and have a couple pieces of paper that you're going to write and take some notes on and activate things, etc. Much like the game Welcome To, which Tony, I believe you are a fan of. I am very much a fan of. I enjoy Welcome To. So when you told me about this, I was like, okay, all right, I can I can easily handle a flip and write. Mm-hmm. They'll be able to quickly understand the concepts. Shoot, I've played Fleet the Dice Game. That sheet is a little bit complicated. I'll be able to handle this. I walk in there, and Marty's got these two sheets laying on the table. And I'm like, what the frick is this? First off, I needed it on an 11 by 17. (laughs) That's when I looked at Marty and said, okay, I know you're tired of me complaining about font sizes, but okay, I will get some readers. So I've got to order up my readers. I need to do that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's boxes all over this place. If all you're going to do is flip a card and I got to mark something, how's it all going to be put together? An hour later, after he talked me through it. No, I'm just kidding. It was about what? 10, 15 minutes of discussion. It was about 10, 15 minutes. You have two pieces of paper, not one that you must manage over the course of the game. And one side of the paper, the theme is this. So you're trying to uh, build up a wall, develop, build up a defense in order to protect against oncoming picked attacks over the course of six years. And during that time, not only are you building your wall, but you have citizens that you can develop in order to make buildings of different types, in order to generate resources, and those resources can be used to spend to do different things. It has very much of a Euro feel. And I'll say this right now, this is a heavy Roland Wright. This is... This is not what, uh, Quick, Tony? Is that one of your uh, favorite rolling rights? It's one of Donna's, yes. It is not that at all. It is on the other end of the extreme. And in fact, when it comes to rolling rights, flipping rights, I would consider this 
heavy. Yes, very much heavy. And it's not a simple use of just flip a card, mark something. No, you are. No. It's way past that because what you're having to do is the card that flip, the first card tells you this is how many resources or people you get. And then you have to flip two cards and decide which one you want to keep and which one will be a scoring card later or at the end of the game. And those will tell you resources. Just to kind of clarify, that first card you flip is kind of in the center of the table. Mm -hmm. Everybody utilizes it. Then everybody has their own deck of cards that they shuffle at the beginning. They're all the same, but they're all shuffled. So they come up a different order. That's the ones you draw two from. Play one keep one. You've got soldiers. You've got, I'm not even going to try to go over it. I've got it right here. Soldiers, builders, servants, and civilians. Okay. You've got black meeples, blue meeples, purple meeples, yellow meeples, and you got some gray, <laughs> you got some gray cubes. <laughs> well, yeah, eventually we were going, okay, two purple, one black. <laughs> we couldn't remember the names of them. I do remember the black meeples were soldiers, though, because they had to be used to help with the wall and build up the wall defense. So these sheets have various sections. First off, you have your wall and your fortifications of your wall, and that's generally where you will find people needing to be used to go out and develop it. And there are certain tracks that you have to do. You're progressing left to right. And then down below that are various, I don't want to say victory, but they are various tracks that you earn for accomplishing various feats. Attribute tracks. Attribute tracks. Look at that. And then this is Marty's favorite thing to do now when teaching the games. Then you have this down here, but we're going to ignore it till later. Okay. But, but did it not work? It did. Did that? The not testing method not work when I would say, hold on, we'll come back to this in a second because it would be a symbol or emblem that wouldn't make sense until I explain something over here. And in typical roll and write fashion or flip and write fashion, you're filling things from left to right. And this is where I think the brilliance of the pages and the way it's laid out makes sense. When you first see it, to me, it was super intimidating. It's like, I'll never learn this. But once you understand that each place on the sheet to the left has a cost and then it points to something to the right and it's like if you want to fill in a box to the right of this this is the cost that it requires mm -hmm. and then you fill in the box from left to right if you cover up a meeple or a resource immediately collect that and then you can use it on that turn and that's really how every section of mm -hmm. these two sheets work the thing is is what order do you want to do it? Because the cost, like for using a particular meeple or something, can be used at several places on the board. For example, for example, that's, wow, that's yep. good. <laughs> for example, the civilians, the yellow workers can be used on any of the tracks on the right side of the board in order to help towards building any of those buildings. The question is, is which building do you want to build? Do you want to work on your piety level? So you want to build temples instead? Hmm, maybe I want to build out the market. So I need to fill in that track. So you got to decide where to use the resources that you have, which then might could cover up something else that lets you use that to get something else over here that you need. So it becomes a big combo fest as the game goes on. Absolutely. 
That's what it was. It was a combo. What could I, I did not have the resources at the beginning of the phase. How can I generate the ones that I need that will help me accomplish? And I like from the theme perspective of it is the sheet on the right, you've, your civilians are helping you build your city, the city you are protecting. You're developing gardens and altars and markets and all this other stuff that while it is just a flip in right and there's not a whole lot of theme there, it's kind of like, oh, I see how this all works. Also, what you try to do on the right may be dictated by the various scoring cards you've chosen. Mm. You've got to keep that. And these scoring cards are building over the, what, we play for five rounds or six rounds? Six years. Six years. Yeah, six, six rounds. Six rounds considered each, each year, yes. So you're constantly building that up as to how you score. So by the sixth round or six year, that card, if you haven't really done anything, eh, it may be useless to you, but that's okay. It, that's just the way it goes. So maybe you need to use the resources. Once you've done all your resources and you've spent everything, then unfortunately you've put a nice city, nice walls. It's time to get attacked. And this has the after the empire feel to it because mm -hmm. at the beginning, the first year, very simple. That card deck that's in the middle of the table is where you'll find out the picks are attacking from, depending on what year that you're playing and what difficulty. I love this too. There's an easium, a medium, an easium. Well, no wonder. Holy cow. No wonder we're a top tier podcast. <laughs> God, <laughs> He's, it's between easy and medium. It's easium. There you go. Wow. And if you're between medium and hard, it's marred. Okay. I'm going to use those from now on. Easium and marred. That, the, okay. you, you can find that probably over at Redbubble <laughs> in the coming months as we get that one designed. Be sure to go check out Redbubble. Emily has all of the rolling dice and taking names sportswear that you need, especially the new shirt about I discovered the grumpy variant. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Yeah, actually, I need to order our shirts for that because we need ours. So there's an easy, medium, and hard level. And depending on which one that you play, you'll, that's be, you'll pick at the beginning of the game which one you're going to do is how many cards you're going to flip off that center deck. So we played the easy uh, for our first game. You flip over one card. And at the top, it'll tell you, is the attack coming from the left, the right, or straight ahead? Now, on your wall, you have three cohorts left straight ahead and to the right. And as you fill in blocks on those cohorts, those will block attacks from the picks. So let's say the attack is coming from straight ahead and uh, you've only flipped over one card. So you just need to have one block filled in on your cohort. If you do, congratulations, you succeeded. You get a bonus. Mm -hmm. You get a certain number of valor and the, uh, depending on the number of cards you drew, take, you know, how much valor that you're going to get. Valor is one of the victory point scoring tracks at the bottom of the page. So that's one of the things that you get to fill in. Now, over the course of the years, more cards will be drawn and you may have multiple coming from one direction. And if you don't have enough blocks filled in, the picks get through and will create what's called disdain at the bottom of your scoring track and you circle when you take disdain and at the end of the game for every circle that you have is going to be negative victory points. But Tony, there are ways in the game that you can help with that because you have a whole diplomat track on the right hand side to where it's like, okay, I'm not going to worry about a strong defense. I'm going to build up my diplomats because diplomats can also help with attacks, or there is a way to go back in those circles that you circled of disdain, you can fill them in. 
if you build the right buildings and get the right symbols, you can fill in those circles. Those negate the disdain. So if a pick attack gets through, there are ways to mitigate that damage just by building the right thing. With that in mind, you've got to figure out what tracks am I going for? How am I going to get my victory points? and how to adjust as needed. So a lot of options here. And a lot of that is dependent on the resources or the workers you get at the very beginning. So you've got to think, how can I combo it? Where am I doing that? So overall, Marty, for me, this game was a joy to play. I like the challenge of it. And it was one of those games where basically, even though it can play one to six, and you've pointed this out, I'm playing by myself. Yeah, so there's not a lot of player interaction is that I can't screw you up, right, Tony? There's really nothing I can do to mess you up. But now you do use the cards that the person to the left and right of you drew potentially because there's a, there's a concept called a market. And each of the cards that the players choose to use, remember I said you choose one as a score and the other you put out. It also gives you a couple of resources that you get, but it has these market values ranging from one to six. And your goal is to fill in on a square on the market to get one of each of the values, one through six. So I can use mine. I can use the player to my left or the player to my right in order to achieve that. That's where you can use the other players. And by the way, if you play uh, solo or with just somebody else, you deal out extra cards to cover those extra players is how that works. Or there's also this concept at the uh, bottom right hand of the page. There's like a little four square shape, like a little Tetris type shape that you can try to fill in a grid on the bottom of the page. You can use yours. You can use the person to the left or the person to the right to take advantage to fill in that shape on the bottom. That's one of the actions you can take. And by filling in that section on the bottom, that grid, you might cover things that give you maybe additional worker, maybe additional resources, et cetera. And one of the achievements or a couple of the achievements have to do with that. It's like for every completed row you have, you get a couple points, et cetera. So everything on page typically can be used for in-game scoring in some sort of way. So like many of these games, you can't do everything. You have to pick which tracks you want to work on because you have to get up certain levels on each of the four tracks to be able to build landmarks, which are huge. Landmarks give you a bunch of advantages, but you have to have a certain value on each of those attribute tracks in order to be even be able to do those. So you can't go up all four tracks probably. You'll pick two, maybe three to excel on so that you can really get good at those. I brought up all that I play interaction. It's not really there. You do take advantage of other people's cards, but for an hour, you're literally going to get a bunch of stuff on your board and then not talk to each other for three or four minutes as you decide what you're going to do. You hope you did everything right. You hope everybody else played their stuff correctly. And then when you're all done, the attack hits from the picks and you all resolve that together. Yep. Enjoyed the game. This is not one of those games. Don and I love playing Flippin' Rights, but I think this is not one that even in a two-player arena, I'm not looking forward to getting back to the table, but I would love to try it with a bunch of us just to see how well we do. I want to play again. Yes. Yeah. I am not a fan of rolling right, flipping right games, rolling right games, but this had the meat that I was looking for. I felt that it was very Euro-y. Yes, it is somewhat solitaire, and I get that. There's not a lot of interaction, but it is so clever. And once I understood how to read the page, I saw the brilliance of it. It went 
from being intimidating, I don't understand this, to after two or three rounds, it's like, no, I get this. I totally can look exactly on the page where I need to do things and get things done, and it just clicked. Big fan, Hadrian's Wall, Renegade Games, out right now. If you're looking for a heavy, not a marred, but a heavy flip and right, this is the one you want to check out. Hey, Marty. Yes. Remember that time we celebrated our 28th wedding anniversary and we went to a little town of Southern Pines? I do. And you remember when we played a little game in the coffee shop before we came home? Yes, I do. And do you remember how it made me so mad? <laughs> I, I do remember that, too. I want to tell the listeners about that game, because now I'm not so mad anymore <laughs> after three plays. And we're talking about the game. The game. That's called, that's the name of the game. The game face-to-face. And that's what we were. Head-to-head, face-to-face. Right in that coffee shop, face-to-face. And for three-fourths of the game, I was like... I am so upset at you for making me play this because I don't understand it. I don't know what they want me to do. I don't know how to play this game. (laughs) And then like the, then the last quarter of the game, I was like, Oh, okay. I get it. I get it. But why don't you tell a little bit about the very simple mechanics of this game? Yeah. So this is actually based on a previous game called the game, which is played with multiple players where the goal is to lay down your cards in ascending and descending piles. But this is a two-player version of that game, and it is head-to-head. It's from designers Stefan Benford and Reinhardt Staup, and is published by Pandasaurus Games. Now, this game's quick to learn, only takes 20 minutes to play. Each of you have a deck of cards. Each deck ranges from 2 to 59. And the goal of the game is you're going to each of us draw six cards, and on your turn, you must discard at least two cards. Very simple. I cannot wrap my brain around it. So there's actually cards, a, a number one card and a 60 card. Yes. So you put those cards out. Did you say this already? No, but th- okay. there's a card that has one to 60 going up and a card 60 to one going down. And you, you so you have two piles, a, an ascending pile and a descending pile. Yes. And I was going to say that, but you looked at me funny. And that's why I said, did you say that? (laughs) I wish y'all could. I'm telling him all the time, listeners, why are you looking at me that way? You're looking at me funny. (laughs) Be glad that this is a podcast and not a video. (laughs) Okay. Right? That's that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) I do not have a face for video, so (laughs) I barely have a voice for a podcast. Okay. We got to talk about this game. All right. So we played at a coffee shop the first time. Yes. Did you say this already, that we are working on our own decks. We want to go from 1 to 60, want to ascend one pile, and 60 down to 100, we want to descend the other pile. Mm -hmm. On your turn, you have to play two cards, like you said. You can play one card on your player's deck, but it has to help them. That is the cool part of the game. So my problem was I got stuck in that I wanted the numbers as close together as possible. No gaps. No gaps. It I could not physically put a card down that went from one to like 25. I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> and then I would get confused. So my pile's going up and down and yours going up and down. And I was constantly, do I want it higher on your, on this pile for you or lower on this pile? And it wasn't until like we were almost finished with the game that I finally got it. It doesn't matter. Just get rid of cards because you win by being the first player 
to get rid of all your cards or you win if the other person is in a position to where they can't play at least two cards. That's it. Simple. So then my brain finally said, just get rid of cards. But I still, I lost that game. You ran out of cards first. Mm -hmm. And so we left the coffee shop on our anniversary with me. We're playing that game again. (laughs) But then it took, it took about a week for us to play it the second Mm -hmm. time. (laughs) So we played it a second time at a restaurant. We like playing this game where we're getting food and stuff. It was at a Mexican restaurant celebrating your birthday weekend. <laughs> yes, because we had a coupon. <laughs> we we had a coupon. We did, yeah. <laughs> but it was for yuca fries. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and they, they are absolutely delicious, and I'm kind of obsessed with them right now. Uh, yeah, you are, but yes. Yes. So is this a food podcast? Yes. All right, we got to get back to the game. So then we played it. Yeah, yeah, that was just yesterday. Yes, it was. And I don't know why, but I had the same problem. And the whole time I'm playing, I'm angry, and I don't know why. It's because I don't like the cards that I have. And then, would you say we were halfway through the deck, or three-fourths through the deck, and you couldn't play a card? Right. And it was a little bit anticlimactic. <laughs> so then we were like, no, we got to play this game again. So we've learned to play this game at home. Not at a restaurant no, or a, a coffee were, shop. Were we eating? No, we weren't eating no, when we played this time. No, so we were just sitting no, there chill. Yeah, okay. We were just sitting there chill. And and I think I've said this before. It was like the Matrix tonight. And that scene <laughs> where the code's going by and he sees it all. We finally got it. We were like, okay. So we want to get rid of as many cards as we can. Try to help your opponent by raising or lowering the deck but as close to the number that they've played. because We we haven't explained why you want to help your opponent. Here's why. Well, why why don't you do that? Here's why. Because if you only play cards on your decks, you can only draw two cards at the end. Regardless (gasps) of the number of cards you've played, you only get to draw two. But if you play one card on your opponent's deck, and that's the most you can play is one, then what that allows you to do is draw your hand back up to six at the end. So right. that's how you're able to refill your hand instead of just drawing two cards. But what I liked is when I first read the rules, I thought, oh, you're going to play a card on your opponent's deck and you're going to mess them up. This is the cool part. You actually are helping them out. So for example, let's say you are ascending from one to 60 and you have 20 as the, as the card that's showing right now. So you can only play cards higher than 20. I can play a card on that deck, but it must be lower than 20. So let's say I play a 10. So what that means is, oh, well, that opens up a whole nother 10 cards that you could potentially play. That's what I mean by helping them out. And you're constantly going back and forth doing that because you want to draw as many cards as you can at the end of your turn. Right. And I just want to clarify to make sure you said that right. When you said that, that's on the opponent's deck that you could go lower. If yes. it were your own, you couldn't. Correct. And that's where we really had to kind of had to keep thinking. It's like, I need to go higher on mine, but if I want to play it on hers, it needs to be lower than their highest card showing for the ascending deck. And because so you're kind of matrix, man, (laughs) those cards and numbers just going. So we had a really good time playing it, Mm -hmm. but it, it took me that third time to, to get my brain going. Mm -hmm. And it really is a fun game. It goes quick. You have to think. Yeah, you do. You do. Because then you got you got a risk and it's like, wow, okay, if I'm if I'm going from 20 up, let's say in this potential and I and I got a 45, do I want to jump from 20 to 45? And that's what you got stuck on. But then you think, well, hopefully I can draw a card in my hand 
that can help me out. Or hopefully Vanessa will eventually be forced to help me out on that particular deck so that I can play my other card. Right. So then I want to say, so the first game we played, we just ran out of cards. Mm -hmm. We ran out of cards. Um, The second time we played, you got to where you couldn't play any cards, but it was pretty early. We were only like halfway through the deck, I'd said. But it was because you took a big risk. You like played all your cards to where you only drew two, and then you absolutely couldn't play them. So then tonight when I was thinking, get rid of as many as I can, but not all of them because I don't want to bank on just two cards. But it still turned out I ran out of cards. I was down to like three cards, and then I couldn't play any. Got stuck where you couldn't play. So you won. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's a really fun two-player game. It It, is. It is is a perfect game. Once you kind of wrap your head around what you're looking at on the table. Now, it's funny. If I was to play with somebody else, and they reordered where they place their decks on the table. I was, I had constantly learned it's like the deck that's closer to me on your side is yeah, the one that's have. going up and the other one's going down. And we had the card that with the one and the 60 off to the side so Jeez. we could see them. Yeah. No, it is, it is cool. And it's very cool. On your turn, you literally take 10 to 15 seconds to decide what you're going to do and it just moves that fast. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, (laughs) (laughs) but what I just love is it's not being mean to your opponent. I I love that because it's like your opponent's going, please play a card on one of these decks to help me out. And you will have to. You can't afford just to draw two cards per turn. Yeah. And so it's called the game face to face. And you said it made you feel like, oh, we're going to get my opponent or whatever. I'm not competitive. No. And I really don't mind if I lose. I didn't want to lose tonight. And I felt like, <laughs> dadgummit, I lost. It, you so were, it brought that out in me. <laughs> you were so close. And I, I was had, so close. I had to help you out. So you really- You didn't got, have to help me out. No, what you talking about? No, what you talking about, Mark? No, I was helping you out in the fact that I wanted to draw cards. I needed to play a card on your deck, but I got lucky in that you had a two showing on your descending deck. Oh, yeah. I happened to have the three. So I barely helped you out to allow me to draw the rest of the cards yeah. and then you were just stuck. Well, that's the strategy of it. And that's what that's what you had said and we talked about. We want to help, but not help too much yeah. because I would give you like huge gaps. I am excited to hear what the listeners think after they go and buy the game because I know they are so that they can have this experience and to hear what they say about it because I... It brought out a competitiveness in me that I didn't know I had. And the price on this is amazing. Over at Miniature Market, you can pre-order it now for just $10.99. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's, that is a good, I tell you, it is, it is great for couples or, <laughs> or a couple. Picking. I know. We're picking it up. I'm throwing it down. So what is that noise in the background? I don't know. Very small box I don't know game. if it's great for couples. Remember, we've been married for 28 years, so <laughs> well, it wasn't going to make or break us. <laughs> yeah, but again, what I like is you can't really mess somebody else up. No, no. no. Again, Even any, if it's just a little bit, you can only help them. You, you're only helping them. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about the game. It's not yeah. mean at all. Yeah. Whatever you're doing to your opponent, yeah, it's going to help them in the long run, but you, but you got to do it. So that is the game. Face-to-face. That is going to be coming out from Pandasaurus Games. I think next time we go on a trip or a little overnight excursion, this is a great game to throw in the bag. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that if we go back to a 
coffee house or if we go to a restaurant, that it'll be all right. Oh, I yeah. think we can do it. Yeah. Now, I do have to say something, and this is off on a tangent. This is a squirrel moment. Squirrel! Have you told your listeners about the coffee that we had when we played the game? I didn't know if you and Tony had talked about it. No, we did not talk about it. So why don't you tell them about this? Hey, there's this little food tangent, a drink tangent. I get to talk about a food tangent and, and not with Tony. Yes. Okay. So there is a candy around here called cowtails. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound delicious. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> but it is. And I don't know. I don't know if it's a just in the South. I don't know. But it is like a, um, it's a soft, chewy caramel with a vanilla center, a vanilla creamy center. Mm-hmm. Is that a good description? That is a perfect description, actually. Cowtail. And it comes in like a long... Looks like a cowtail. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's called that. It's it's a long brown confectionery. <laughs> confectionery. Well, we walk into this place, and the lady is so super nice. We were the only ones there, again, in Southern Pines, North Carolina, and she has a flavor cowtail, mm-hmm. and we went nutso. It had caramel, vanilla, and chocolate flavors in it Mm -hmm. that's how we don't know her combination of them and all of those were sugar-free so we got a totally sugar-free cowtail latte and it was delicious and we bought two of them no marty two a piece That's right. So we got there and ordered this thing, and we were playing through the game, just sucking on this drink. That's how long it took me to decide which card to play. And when we were done, it's like, as we were getting our stuff together, it's like, I can go for another one for the road. What about you? So we ordered another round of Cowtail cold coffee. <laughs> and it was uh, talking about the game. If you remember though, I'd have a card in my hand and I, I couldn't put it down. Yep. I, I cannot jump all those numbers. I, this was a fun game. It is, it is a fun game. Again, the more we talk about it, the more I like it. <laughs> Again, for pre-order right now, as you could tell, it's something that's going to stay in our collection for quite a while. Yep. And we'll be drinking cowtail iced coffees because you're going to order a cold brew coffee maker. Yes. And we've already got all the sugar-free syrups except the chocolate. So we have to order the chocolate online. We'll be making our own cold brew iced coffee cowtail flavored drink. Another game we got to the table was Cryo by Tom Jolly and Luke Laurie from Z-Man Games. And this is a, I'm going to say it, easy game, standard worker placement, Marty. That's it. That's all we need to say. No need to go over rules. Get your victory points. You're going to win. Life is good. Just place your workers. Get some resources. Use those resources to build stuff. Maybe, maybe not. What? What? If that's the case, then shouldn't this have been a quick hit and not like a full segment? Well, I think we want to give it a little time because of one of the most ingenious things that I liked about this game. Okay. So hold on. What? It's Creo. Cryo. Wow. I always say, oh my gosh. Cry- cryo. I would say this is a, a easium type game. Easium. I'd agree with mm-hmm. easium. What's the thing? What am I trying to do here, Tony? What, what's, what's the whole goal? Because I think that's important and one reason why I enjoyed it. Because I think the theme actually worked in this sometime themeless style Euro worker placement game. So we're Rocket Man and we're on our way to a destination. Something has happened and we are traveling in a rocket. And all the people that we're transporting are in cryogenics. 
because we're having to travel through space. <gasps> but something bad has happened on the ship. And the ship is crashing on this planet. This planet is not really habitable on the surface. Matter of fact, it is freaking cold. It's real cold. And we are going to die if we don't get all the people in our little stasis pods underground. They'll just freeze right there. They will be cryopopsicles. That's what they're, <laughs> that's what they're going to be. They're going to die. Which, okay, so, so first off, they're in cryostatus, which means they're already frozen, but it's going to get so cold that everything's going to shut down and not be able to keep the ship stasis stuff alive. Oh, you got deep. I know. So you're trying to get the people below the surface to be able to save them. And basically, they're going to have to be living under this planet forever now because the ship's destroyed. Mm-hmm. So sad. It's, it's a sad game. No, it's a joyous game if you can succeed in getting all your crew pods in the caverns underneath the planet to keep them safe. And that's what we're trying to do. But we're not cooperating. No, 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 no. My, oh, no, no. Everybody's, no, no. Everybody's, you know, on their own. It's like everybody's got their own ships and stuff to worry about. We ain't helping each other out. And you've got three little drones that you can send out to the ship parts. There's four separate ship parts that will allow you to be able to collect resources or move some of your stasis pods or be able to play cards. But Tony said, there's some clever stuff here. Number one, you have your own player board that has the standard fare of you have four resources that you're tracking. These resources will be used to pay for things, to convert things. There's an energy track that you'll need to spend in order to get your crew pods that you've collected down to the caverns underneath. But what is really interesting to me is the fact that Each of us over a course of time are going to develop out our cargo bay and our ship with special abilities. And that's where the cards come in. So you have these cards that are multi-use cards, which I like. The cards can be used to give you permanent abilities to the ship. Maybe you can make your ship a little bit cheaper when spending energy to get them down to the cavern. One that I liked is at the beginning of the game, you have damaged areas that are randomly put on the board that you can't put your drones which may cover up some access to some of the actions on the board and making them less accessible. You can still get to them, but not admit, not as many people can get to them. One of the ones that I took, and I think you took also, Tony, is you can put your drone on a damaged area, mm-hmm. which was big so that nothing was blocked. The other thing that you can do is the card can be used as a ship itself where you can put crew pods and send that ship down into the cavern to deliver pot, to deliver your crew pods to underneath the caverns. And the other thing is the card can either be used for an in-game victory condition. Oh, and don't forget about scrapping the card to get just resources. So it has four uses, one card, four uses. You decide how you're going to use it. I think that was very, very clever. And I enjoyed that part of it. Yes. And, and when the card part of it is if you launch the ship to go to the cavern, it's discarded. But if you use it as an upgrade to your platform, it's not, you can, discard it, but there's not that many different cards. I think there's like eight total. And you only have three slots on your pod for an upgrade. So it's not like you're going to be cycling through a whole bunch of cards. You're going to see them all, especially if you take the action to be able to draw a card. And the other thing that I enjoyed about this game from the standpoint is, hey, if you, when you place your worker or your drone there, certain actions gave you the ability to do it three times, two times, one time, whatever. 
it's up to you to decide how many times you want to use it if there's that many, as long as you can pay for it. So if I want to draw three cards, I would place it there. I would say I'm drawing three cards. I would spend the energy required and I would do that. I kind of like that, that it was up to me on how many times I wanted to use it. And then from a standpoint of the drones, I mean, you only have three. You never upgrade more than three. That's all that you have. And so it's very important that you use them to maximize. When you land the drones there and collect the resources, you have a couple actions with that. You can either collect the resources on your player board by saying, okay, I'm going to increase it by this uh, green energy by two because that's what's on there and discard it. Or I can take that and then put it on my platform so that later when I recall a pod, I can either gain that or, which is the part I really like because you're building this, I can spend it to get another action at the bottom of that track. That was kind of neat for me. I enjoyed, how am I going to build out my board? Yeah, and uh, you said pod, but it was it was drawn when you would crawl a drone, not not the pod. That, yes. Because yeah. they are two distinct uh, things. Yeah, I liked it when you put your drone down. It's usually in between multiple actions. So you get to pick which one that you want. The little tokens you talked about randomly come out at the beginning of the game, so they're always different. But yes, I really like that too. So much like Raiders of the North Sea and Raiders of Scythia, pulling back workers get you something. I love that when you pull back your drones, there are six slots on your platform that you can put your drones in that potentially could activate things that you've built previously. Like Tony said, you may have it so that, hey, when I bring the drone back to this slot on my board, maybe I've collected one of those green tokens and put it in the, this is what this action cost. If I pay a green, when I put my drone back on the board, I get to draw a card or play a card. Or maybe I get a wild resource, which was extremely beneficial. Or maybe I get an energy or maybe I get to draw back a pod. You decide how you want to do it and how you fill in that board. Extremely clever. So I love it that when, oh man, all I get to do this turn is just pull back my drones. No, you get to pull back your drones and potentially do other things on that turn when you put those drones back on your platform. Love that mechanic. And one of the things that you have to do when you pull back, so the game is played based on the number of players. There's so many chits you put out that will determine how many times people can return their drones. That's mm -hmm. the that's the round counter for you. When you do that, you're going to say, okay, I am going to return my drones. And when I do, I am going to take a token that's been put out on the board that will either gain me a resource or sabotage where one of the crew stasis is, where, where the crews are placed on the board. And that will destroy them unless there's some way for you to avoid that. So there's that little sort of like, take that. I've removed all my little pods from that area. I'm going to place the sabotage there and destroy your pods. So there's a little take that in this game, but not that much. I, I didn't find it to be that detrimental. It was not, but it was something you had to think of. And if you saw a sabotage token sitting in a stasis area and you were the only pods that were in there, it made you want to get a drone out there to try to collect those pods and put them on your platform or ship. And there was, was another cool section of the board where you could put the pods in certain zones on the board that when you got your drones back, the pods could give you resources of that particular type. I thought that was interesting too. Uh, and we were all taking advantage of that. Now, here's the thing is, when the game ends, 
any pod that's on the surface, they're gone. They're lost forever. You want as many under the caverns as possible. And that's the whole goal. Get pods to your ship, get pods to your platform, launch them, and it's going to cost energy. You're going to spend energy. The, the first location is like one energy to get to, but then as it fans out from there, it costs more and more energy to get to the different cavern areas and they're face down. And there's a, something called a scouting action, which will allow you to flip over the different zones and be able to put one of your pods there. But why that's important is at the very end of the game, each of the zones in the cavern have a area majority bonus such that whoever has the most pods on this particular zone tile will get X amount of points. Whoever has second most gets X amount. So then that's another scoring mechanism at the end of the game. Now you're just trying to decide where to get your pods. And if you can get the majority in a lot of different areas, it's going to score you additional victory points. Yep. And you get points for having them down there. I mean, you get X victory points for numbers pods you have down there in general secret uh, hidden agendas that you place you can only place three over on your platform number that you got down in there area control total it up highest victory points is the winner it's one of those games i think from a worker placement game it's unique love the platform love the components i don't know if it's going to bump other worker placements games off for me but it's still a very good, straightforward, easy teach, in my opinion, type of game. I totally agree. I do agree that there was an easy teach. If you've played worker placement games before, this total makes logic sense. The resource management makes total sense. You've seen many games like this. Again, the cleverness is upgrading your platform with different abilities, the multi-use cards. It does add some area majority elements into it you need to think about you do have the in-game scoring victory points which will kind of drive the way you want to go it's a lot of things we've seen in the past cleverly put together in a very tight game that plays anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes and Tony one thing I love too you mentioned that you don't get additional drones over the course of the game. You know, in many worker placement games, the further you move into the rounds, you can unlock additional workers. And what that does is that makes each round longer. So by the end, the last round that you take play will be a lot longer than the first round. That's what I liked about this game. Every round was about the same amount of time. It didn't get slower as the game went on. It moved at a quick pace and you knew that in the sixth round is going to take just about as long as the first round because nobody has additional workers that are going on the board. So the pacing of the game was perfect for me. And when it comes back to recalling your drones, you don't have to spend all of them. You can recall at any time as long as there's one out there and that can pick up the game. If you're trying to like, like I said, there is that take that element. And so if somebody wants to go out there and say, hey, I'm going to recall this one drone and then sabotage that one crew area, guess what? That's what they can do. And that will speed up the game. Even at the end of the game, people could be saying, I'm going to place this one because I know I got area majority in this one big victory point scoring cavern. I want this game to end so no one else can get their crews down there. Right. So you can rush the game if you want to and try to get the, get to the end before uh, somebody can take over your majority spots. Even though maybe you'll sacrifice a couple 
crew pods on the surface, keeping those majorities may be more important to you in the end. So yeah, Tony, I see what you're saying where it may not work at other work replacement games, but I love what Luke Laurie did about combining so many things that are really cool into a game that works really well, moves really quick. And if you want something like that, that includes all these multi-use cards, being able to build your own little engine on your board, straightforward resource management, straightforward worker placement that doesn't drag over the course of the game. For me, Cryo is one I think you should check out then. Yeah, and for me, it's a standpoint of quick, easy teach. If I want to get this to the table, I know I can do that. A quick review for myself, I can quickly explain it to someone and say, okay, there's a simple worker placement game for y'all to do. Or what'd you call it? Uh, easy, medium, e-mimi? What, what was it? It's an easyum. It's an easyum game. Once again, Cryo, Luke Laurie, Tom Jolly from Z-Man Games. So Marty, I have a problem and Portal needs to solve it. What is that, Tony? I've been saying PortalGamesUS.com for a long time. Uh-oh. And now I see you can type in ShopPortalGames.com. That's S-H-O-P-P-O-R-T-A-L-Games.com. And it'll take you to their website, just like Portal Games US. Did I receive a memo of that? That's my problem. Uh, there's no communication here. We got to work on that over at portalgamesus.com or shopportalgames.com. So I need to make sure that people can go out there and check out all the great products that Ignacy has. You've got Detective Still. You've got Robinson Crusoe. There is this new game called Stronghold Undead. I've heard about it. It's rumored to be there. I think Marty has it. I cannot wait to play it. I have it. We just need that long good Saturday afternoon when we can get together and sit down and, and get through it I can't wait I know and then of course Ignacio has started something it's not new but it's new for me Marty makes it part of his weekly thing and that is Mar Ignacio's vlogs he started that what it's 9 a.m. on Eastern time is that when that comes out I believe it's 9 a.m. 9 or 10 a.m. Eastern time on Mondays he has a topic He'll sit down and talk about the topic, plus give updates on, on Portal. And then, of course, there are more open-world campaign expansions for Rise of the Empires coming out. And don't forget those new expansions coming out, Vienna Connection. Well, that's not an expansion. It's not it's an expansion. It's a standalone game. Standalone. I'm, I'm sorry. There's just so much coming out from there. Well, what's the expansion? The expansion is Egyptians for Empires of the North, which I cannot wait. Oh, I'm excited. Two new factions to try out. Uh, and did Joanna do that one? Yes. She's the designer of this. So we know it's going to be a success. Oh! ShopPortalGames.com Well, we have come to the end of another riveting rolling dice and taking names. I'm going to use it whether it applies or not, Marty. I don't care. Words riveting. <laughs> it's riveting. You mean like, like actual rivets? Like we did something to hold everything together? Absolutely. We held this together. We have kept it going. It is solid. It didn't fall apart on a planet. We're not going to freeze or anything because our spaceship was built strong. We made it to our destination. We built this spaceship. We didn't turn over a bunch of zeros and have to abort our mission. Mm. Push your luck, man. If anything has push your luck in it, I just need to say I'm out. Okay. That's fine with me. <laughs>
You can be out. Well, I am still thirsty. So can we jump yep. to this next taste test before yeah, we so get out of here? So what is this one, Tony? Tell me, tell me about it. What is this one? This is Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. This is Frostbite. Now, this has got a big old shark on it. I've never had Frostbite. I have not either. All right. So, so let's here get it. Here we go. Let's give this a taste test. What is that flavor? Shark. Is it berry? It's a berry. What is this? It's a berry. It's bisodium bicarbonate. That's the flavor. I mean, it's fine. It's a, So it has a fruity taste. I don't taste Mountain Dew at all. I guess it's just simply a branding thing. Mountain Dew everything. Because I guess if something was just called Frostbite, they wouldn't try it. I guess the whole thing is to provide that berry, that cool sense, and then bite you on the end. A little bit of citrus. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Which did you like better between the Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar and this? Actually, the Dr. Pepper. Yeah, me too. So I like the Dr. Pepper more. I'll drink it. It's zero sugar. But yeah, so uh, Frostbite, eh, I, there are others I like better. Yeah, Mountain Dew Zero. Come on. Yep, there exactly. All right. So we usually in our intro, we will do a Switch thing. Talk about the Switch. Talk about what we've doing on the switch and I have not played on my switch in, in a couple of days, okay. but I saw over on the um, rolling dice and taking aim discord channel that there is the new monster hunter rise update coming. What? I yes. don't have time for this. <laughs> so <laughs> this will be before the episode comes out, but after this recording, it's going to be on uh, April 27th, 2.0 is coming. And I asked Adam, I said already. And he said, well, here's the deal. Capcom wanted this game out. ASAP. They wanted it to get in this fiscal year. So they purposely held back content knowing it was going to be coming out. And I said, but is this free? He went, oh yeah, this is free. He said, the amount of content that you're going to get from Capcom from Monster Hunter is going to be insane. So the first thing they're doing, introducing new monsters. And he said, he said, that is the beauty of Monster Hunter is that it will just continue to stay with you. And I said, Adam, every time I look at this, there's all this stuff. Tony, you were telling me you were watching videos on the best buddies to take and everything like that. He said, he said, when you think you found it all, you find something else that's just, oh, there's even more customization and things that I can do. He said, that's just what this game is. Yeah. You got to do your talisman. Your, your melding of your talisman, they got to fix it. I that. don't even know what that is. I mean, you got one at the beginning of the game, so you need to go check that out. And then, so you get farther along in the game, you'll be able to, um, there'll be rare drops. You'll, you'll be chasing the loot, is what you'll be mm. doing. And, and that's, you know, you just got to get better at your weapons, better at your builds, get your better armor. And eventually, you know, you'll be able to hunt these big, bad ones. I'm, I'm going to be scared when I encounter some of these ones I'm seeing on these YouTube videos. There's, uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to take them out. That's where we got to team up. You and I got to figure out how to get the multiplayer up and running and, uh, uh, so we can help each other out. And then they're also going to tease, uh, Monster Hunter Stories 2 which is an RPG in the Monster Hunter universe. I never played Stories 1. Adam said it was a solid game. He said he'll be over Stories 2. So I'm kind of curious to see what kind of RPG it's going to be. I love RPGs for some odd reason. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, but I don't have time. I have got to go learn the rules. We have the prototype for for Forbidden Games Mosaic. And this is that Civ game that you're very excited about. And I said, well, send it my way. I'll learn it. You've been learning the last few games. And we got this big old box, Marty. I'm very excited. Maybe I'll open up the camera, get it up and running, and I'll take some pictures with, you know, do some YouTube stuff. I don't know if time permits, but it's a game, a civilization game. But right now, what's in the box is amazing. 
And yet Glenn sent us an email and said, it's even better. And one of the images he sent, I don't know if you looked at the art, but it's all about these little mosaic tiles that have put together to form the image, just like you would see like in, mm. in Rome. It's a mosaic. Mm-hmm. And it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. I love the artwork to this. So I've got to get that learned so that we can have that on gaming night. So in the next show, we can talk about it because there will be a Kickstarter from it. But you also got a game you got to learn. So I'm not going to keep that from you while you have to learn these mosaic and the new one. What's the, what do you got to teach me? All right. So also next episode is going to be a Vampire the Masquerade centric episode uh, where we're going to talk about Vampire the Masquerade rivals the card game, uh, which we just played. We'll give our quick first impressions in the here in a second. And a Vampire Vendetta, uh, which is a little 30-minute game uh, based in that universe. And also, I'm just going to look over the Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition uh, RPG. Just going to flip through it and read some of it because Renegade is going to be releasing that under their publishing uh, arm uh, later this summer. If you already have 5th edition, uh, great. You, you've got everything is the same book. It's just that Renegade is going to be publishing it. So uh, we'll be doing that uh, next episode. So Tony, you and I have played a couple games of Vampire the Masquerade Rivals, which is a competitive LCG style game. It was on Kickstarter. Kickstarter is coming soon. We got an early copy. This game plays two to four players. You and I have played two player, played three player. I played a couple of time on Tabletopia. So just quick first impressions of the first couple of games. What do you think? Still got to get those rules down, just like I did with um, Netrunner. Not, and not everything's clicking yet. It's going to click. Enjoying it so far. But there are going to be some nuances to this game that I have got to learn. Just like I had to learn how to generate money in Netrunner, I'm going to have to understand what the scoring mechanisms are, what the combos are with the certain various vampire families. Clans. I was going to say clans, but I was like, why why can't they just be families? They look like families, normal people. But anyway, I've got to learn about the pick one that I like, learn it to learn the techniques of the game and understand how to use those abilities to achieve my agendas. That is what's going to really sell me on this game. Multiple ways to win. That is what I'm going to enjoy. So for me, the appeal to this game was always from day one, multiple ways to win. You said, Tony, you weren't crazy about some games where it was nothing about just taking the life down of one particular figure and you win. There's multiple ways to win this game. One is just getting 13 agenda points. Or you can knock out your rival, which I think this game supports multiple player uh, really well from three to four players. Everybody has a unique rival. If you take out your particular rival, basically get rid of all their vampires, that triggers the end of the game. If somebody else takes out your rival, you get a bonus for it. So you can't really team up on somebody because you may be benefiting somebody else if you do that. If you run out of prestige, that also triggers into the game. So there's several ways to trigger the game. But I also like the concept of you have, you start out with 20 prestige at the beginning of the game, and then you have a general supply of 12 more, and you have to keep those two separate. Uh, so it's kind of like City of the Big Shoulders. We had two different funds, your personal fund and your company fund. You got to make sure to keep these two separate because you're going to spend things from your personal supply of prestige, like activating vampires, paying for things. But when you gain prestige, it'll come from your general supply. And then there's a the concept of the multiplayer thing of conspiracies where you and I can team up against somebody else but using conspiracy. All right. I said conspiracy. Using scheme is actually a scheme uh, where we can team up together and over the course of the game, build up this card to trigger it. Conspiracy is where somebody's going to say, hey, 
You know what? Uh, here's a question. I'm, everybody's going to get three prestige. What do you think? And then we have a chance to bid on it using influence. You can blind bid using your prestige. It's a deep game. It is one of those that's like, yeah, it's more aligned the lines of Netrunner because of its depth and the ways to play the game. And But thematically, I think it's cool. You've got locations. You've got the streets where you can do your fighting. You've got a central deck, which everybody has to deal with, which has events that come out, which everybody must deal with. You have these military-type people that come out that are all trying to take out all the vampires at the end of your turn. If they're still in the middle of the table, you can take damage. So do you want to take them out? Or leave them for somebody else to deal with. There's a lot going on. So yes, first impressions is I still like what I've seen so far playing the physical game. And I can't wait to uh, to dig into it more. And so we'll do a full review uh, in our next episode when we get some more games under our belt. And until then, keep rolling dice. Wow, that was abrupt. And taking names. Hey y'all, thanks for listening. And remember, our next episode is going to be a Vampire the Masquerade-centric episode. So make sure to follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names, Instagram Dyson Names, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and please join our Discord channel where we have fun every single day talking about so many different topics. Tony, here's one of the bad things about having two soft drinks during a recording. <laughs> <laughs>